Hello, Duke fans, and welcome to episode 164 of You the, don't have to shout, man. Of the Duke Basketball <laughs> Report podcast. It's loud in here. Uh, I am your host this week, Sam Klein. I am coming to you from Atlanta, Georgia. I am with Donald Wine in Atlanta, Georgia. Donald, hello. Hey, what's going on? We are recording this outside, so yeah. No idea. So no idea how the audio is going to be. Jason Evans is also here in his hometown. Yes, yes. We're in a place known as The Gulch. The Gulch. Yes. Which is, uh, we're standing under an overpass. Uh, a few of my friends are here drinking Miller Lights. We're drinking Miller Lights. So, Everybody drink. So this drink. So this okay. show this show is brought to you, uh, of course, by the fine gentleman of Bird Campbell, PA. Not, not brought to you by Miller Lite. Not, uh, no. Also brought to you by Miller Lite accidentally. Uh, if, if the Miller... Uh, Miller the, Coors. Is it still Miller Coors? It's still Miller Coors. Okay. Yes. If Miller Coors wants to pay us for sponsorships, we're certainly open. Uh, dbrpodcast at gmail.com to get in touch with us, of course. Um, but <laughs> we're going to make money off of that, aren't always, we? But as always, we want to thank Bird Campbell for sponsoring the show. So the reason that we're all here together and doing the show in Atlanta under an overpass is that uh, Duke just played its opening game we opening game in football of the season against Alabama, the Crimson Tide. And as we probably expected, uh, a bit of a beatdown, 49-3 to uh, is the final score with the Blue Devils, of course. Scoring. Did you remember that? I swear, if you had asked me, I did not remember the score. Well, I thought it was 42 what, I thought it was 42. Is it 42? Someone, 42 someone checked 42. the score. Confirmed. I think it's 42. 42. Will yeah, we have, we have... We he have gave, live fans. Gave, I think he gave him a touchdown. All right, time. I gave Alabama an extra touchdown. It was 42 <laughs> Alabama to just scored again. It was 42-3. to three. Uh, Alabama only beat the spread by a few points, which is, I think, the first time Duke has actually uh, not covered the spread as an underdog in, like, two years in football. 42-3. So, thanks to uh, thanks to Fuqua student Jack for uh, for giving us the, the live score updates. Here. Jack with the shout-out. Appreciate it, Jack. <laughs> and, uh, and so, anyway... Um, Duke, uh, I'd say the story for the game, for the Blue Devils at least, is that Duke was able to hold on um, to a tie game through the first quarter. Um, so, Jason, what do you think of Duke's ability at least to look like they were hanging with Alabama for the first quarter of the game? Well, look, let's, let's recap what our expectations were before the game, what we said, what would be success, because we were all realistic, and we did not expect Duke to win this game. And I think we said, hey, if we can be competitive for a half and we don't get hurt too much. <laughs> those and were... embrace the moment. And I think yes, all yeah. those things happen. Absolutely. The There's no question we were competitive for a half. Although, I mean, it was 14-3 at halftime. But, I, I, Donald, I commented to Sam, it, it didn't feel super competitive. There, there was that moment in the first quarter. Uh, we stopped them. Um, uh, they then turned the ball over on their next possession. It's nothing-nothing. And Duke had a fourth and one inside of the Alabama 15. Um, and, and you felt like, you know what, this could be a huge moment in the game. And unfortunately, it didn't go our way. And, it, you know, I feel like we were never sort of close after that. And the other thing is I was, I was watching the whole game, the ESPN, um, ESPN's game ticker thing that has your percent chance of winning. And it started with Alabama at about 96.5% to win the game. Um, and at one point it got down to about 93 but, like, it never got lower than that, and basically, it was above ninety-five percent for Alabama to win. Did you like, the entire game? Did you which, like? Which is fine. I did mean, you like Donald? Did you like Coach Cutcliffe's decision to go for the fourth down there early in the game, or would you have liked to see the field goal? I think in the end, I would like to see the points, only because for the for the fans, they want to see points. They know most people who were here, 
knew how the end result was going to be. That well, look, for was the team win. confidence, though, also, I think getting, getting something on the board mattered would've, there. It mattered, and, and I don't mean this to be funny, but it was the turning point of the game because at that point, if they punch it through or they get some points, then all of a sudden momentum's our way. It, it just gives everybody a boost of confidence that, you know, gets everybody in the game, and it's not just – it doesn't feel like an Alabama home game. But at that point – Alabama was like, oh, well, these guys drove all the way down and just just mowed us down, and then they still can't punch it in. We got this. And and even you know in the second quarter, I felt like the defense was doing really well to get off of the field, and it was our offense that was kind of sputtering at times. And there, you know the third quarter, it just kind of came unglued. They had that another fourth uh, uh, fourth uh, down conversion that they just ended up fell short, and Alabama like two plays later was in the end zone and the wheels fell and off. And we said before the game that Duke's offense was going to be the weakest part weakest part of the game here mm-hmm. right replacing and a, it was replacing it, yeah. replacing a, a multi-year starting quarterback with a guy who's a redshirt senior but has only started a couple games in his career Quentin Harris replacing a lot of the um, a lot of the wide receivers uh, running backs getting a lot more playing time than, than they had in the past and and you know to their credit Britton Brown looked really good he had a few really good plays right Jason yeah and and you guys know I've been a Britton Brown fan Literally from the moment he stepped foot on campus, I, I would have liked to have seen him get a little more run early. Um, Deion Jackson seemed not as effective as Britton Brown. Mm-hmm. The other thing was Duke was running a triple option offense, uh, which is something they have not done much in the past. Sam and I were in the interview room after the game, and some of the players were talking about that a little bit. There's clearly going to be some adjustment to that, and I think that's because we have Quentin Harris at quarterback. And, and look, he, he is what he is. He's not a guy who's going to burn you with, with his arm. Mm-hmm. Um, he's reasonably accurate on short passes, but he's not going to go downfield a ton, although Duke had great success getting pass interference penalties on Alabama when we went downfield. But Quentin Harris is not going to throw the ball downfield a lot. Duke has to sort of play to what our strength is going to be, and I think they've decided they're going to put in a triple option and try to run the ball down teams' throats. That's a tough thing to do against Alabama that has – Probably. All the speed in the world because on defense that yeah. matters. Against a triple option, you want to kind of deceive and you want to get people going one way, and then they think that they're slow enough to then reverse it back or it's go up the middle. To, it's hard to it's hard to deceive the, the triple option when the defense has more speed and more size right. than you do. Yeah, yeah, like I mean, there were times where Quentin Harris, like I, I don't think he could count to one before he had a guy in his face, and that that's not something he's not going to see every week. So I think that in itself. Is going to be something where they learn. Hey, let's get these plays off quicker. Let's get the, let's execute them quicker because no one's going to be as fast as what we saw today. Well, my positive takeaway is, and it seems silly to say this, in a game where we gave up 42 points, I thought the defense looked really good. Yeah. I mean, it seems silly to say that, but we're not going to be playing a team like Alabama every week. We're not going to play receivers like Jerry Judy, who is just on he's another a, planet. He's a real deal. He's yeah. better than he's better than advertised. Like, which I, is I, hard to believe. It's, it's hard to believe because he's he's advertised as one of the best, if not the best player well, in and, the country. And you've got Alabama's quarterback Tua Tungavailoa, who is such an incredible runner, passer, and game manager. Yeah. I mean, that guy looks in control the whole way, even when the defense is bearing down on him. And Duke got. Duke got pressure, they got pressure on, on him, but but he always seemed to escape and then make the big play. Okay, sidebar. All right, we got to talk about Alabama for a second. I have to talk about Tua Tagovailoa because wait, wait, say his last name again. Tua Tagovailoa. Okay, Tonga Vailoa. Tonga Vailoa. Excuse me. Just call him Tua. 
That's well, what I do. here's the thing. His jersey basically had his entire name on it. I want to know, <laughs> does he have a brother on the team? He does. Yes, his yes. Brother, does. His brother is a freshman quarterback. He's that their third-string quarterback. And, by the way, one of the standards that you can measure Duke by, Tua played until 25 seconds were left in the third quarter. There are going to be a lot of games this season where Tua doesn't play at all in the second half. Mm. And Alabama fans were excited and ready to see his younger brother, Tugavailoa. It starts with a T. I don't know what it starts with a T U. Yeah, it's T U. Period. Talking about Loa. Right. So they were they were thinking they were going to see him. They never got to see their third string quarterback again. Small signs of success. They never saw hey, their third the string thing. quarterback. You could tell that Saban was was angry at how the offense, the second string offense, was sputtering because in the fourth quarter he put Tua back in the game. And then they scored a couple more times, and then he was out. That was his younger brother. That was his. No, no, no. no. They put they put original they, to a. They put original. They did. I didn't even notice that. Yeah, yeah. At the very end, they put the his younger end. brother in, and he just uh-huh. handed the ball off to someone, and the guy ran, and, and he was over. Yeah, yeah. But oh, I didn't realize they put regular Tua back in. Well, regular Tua scored another touchdown in the fourth quarter. You got to keep watching the game. Yeah, I, I was. I was moving. I was moving between the field and the press box, and the field and the press box. I was moving between my seat and my seat and my seat and standing up and then sitting back down. Let me down. say really quick before we move on from the game that uh, Mercedes-Benz Stadium, this is my first time being here. You guys have obviously both been to games here. I know, Jason, yes. you're a yeah. hometown guy here. Donald's been to Atlanta uh, United. definitely soccer games yeah. here, right? Um, what biggest, a cool ex- biggest soccer crowd like in the entire continent. What a, cool, what a cool experience here, Mercedes-Benz Stadium. It's a great stadium. It is state-of-the-art. It, the concourses are huge. The, the seating arrangements are cool. The, the scoreboard at the top of the stadium that sort of is like a ring inside the stadium, mm-hmm. extremely cool. So I had a great time here and hope that I get to come back and see more games. And the best feature of the stadium, I think, is on one end, they have huge windows and you can see the Atlanta skyline. It's like you're indoors and you're outdoors at the same time. It's really remarkable. It's very cool. I, I, I love this place. And the other shout-out I want to give to Chick-fil-A, we had free Chick-fil-A in the press box. I had four Chick-fil-A sandwiches by halftime. I feel a little bit disgusting, yes. But free Chick-fil-A hey, is free Chick-fil-A. Shout out to Jason for delivering me some free You're not Chick-fil-A. supposed to say anything about that. Huh? I'm not supposed to take it out of the press box. I didn't, I didn't say you took it out of the press box. I said you gave me some. I didn't say I wasn't in the press box. Okay, I hope no one from Chick-fil-A is listening. <laughs> I smuggled Chick-fil-A. Hey, Chick-fil-A had a whole free fan fest where they're giving out free food, so it's fine. Yeah, you're right. You're right. <laughs> so, with that, um, let's quickly look ahead then to Actually, wait. next week. We've got an interview. Oh, right. We yes. do have an interview. So, at, like, like Jason mentioned, after the game, we got to go into the press room and talk to Quentin Harris a little bit. So, Jason, why don't you play a little bit of that audio from Quentin Harris, from Duke quarterback Quentin Harris. Obviously, a tough game, not the outcome we wanted, but you know Alabama played a great game. They're a great team, uh, but you know we're we're sticking to ourselves. We're sticking together, unified, getting ready to go to work this week, and, and you know get back on track. What's some positive you take from this? Yeah, you know I thought we communicated well offensively. Obviously, we didn't convert as many you know third and fourth downs as we would have liked, but I thought you know communication for the most part we were on the same page, um, did things smoothly. But you know I think um, you know a lot of guys did some good things with the ball in their hands too. Mateo Durant running very hard at the end of the game there. Um, so you know I think there's a lot to take away from this. Um, you know, moving forward. When did you guys decide that you were going to run uh, primary option offense throughout that first quarter and opening of the game? Uh, you know, I think it's just, you know, whatever the coaches decided, you know, it's in our playbook. Um, and, you know, I guess the coaches probably thought that was probably the best thing to give us a chance to move the ball um, there. So, you know, that's coaching staff up to them whenever they kind of want to call on that. But, you know, it's just one part of our offense. Do you expect that to be a 
big part of the offense going forward? I'm not sure, to be honest. You know, I think it's just up to the coaches, you know, what their game plan is going to be each week. Um, but, you know, we're certainly ready to run it if that's what they want to call. Do you think the ability to get that fourth down conversion in that first quarter was kind of an early turning point in the game? Guys had some momentum going there. Right. You know, obviously, you know, when your defense puts you in a great situation like they did, getting a turnover there, you want to convert and, you know, be able to convert that to points. Um, so he was disappointed to not convert that. Um, but, you know, I think it's 60 minutes of football, so there were multiple plays in there that kind of changed the momentum in the game. Um, so just one play that, you know, we wish we probably would have gotten conversion there, but it certainly wasn't the only defining play in the game. Quinn, yeah. did their speed surprise you guys at all? It seemed like they were really fast. <laughs> <laughs> uh, you know, they're a great team. You know, we knew they had great athletes and a great team, and they've had a lot of success recently. Um, you know, I think it, the speed wasn't necessarily, you know, a factor with us. You know, we obviously knew they were going to be great athletes and going to play well. But, um, you know, we believe in our guys. We thought we, we played well, matched up well, just didn't execute as much in certain areas um, and, and that kind of thing. But, yeah, they were a very good football team, and, you know, they had a great game. Today. And the other thing is, so you guys have NCA and T next week. Big talent level difference, not that you don't respect them, not that you don't, you know, prepare well for them. But does it help a little bit maybe to have gone up against, look, you're playing against probably 20 future NFL players, and then, uh, you know, does it make it a little bit easier maybe the rest of your schedule? Uh, you know, I think we're taking each game week by week, um, you know, just opponent by opponent. It definitely, you know, it's, it's a great challenge and a great measure of your team when you have to face one of the best teams in the country um, and, and, you know, guys that will probably end up going to play on the next level. So I thought it was a great learning experience for our team, great opportunity for us to just go up against some really high-quality talent. And, um, you know, I think we'll ultimately get better from it. So the thing, I, I, by the way, folks, the last couple questions you heard there were me talking to Quentin Harris. There were about six or seven reporters around chatting with him. Uh, my biggest takeaway from it is that Quentin Harris is a Duke senior, um, a very bright guy, knows how to answer questions. There was zero that you could get from him in terms of controversial or, uh, you know, an answer that was, you know, more than what you would expect. That's his job. He's supposed to do that. I was trying to maybe... Get him to give us a little something out of the usual. And if nothing else, he has been coached well in that area. Yes. The Duke <laughs> Communications Department knows how to make sure that he doesn't say anything that's going to end up on opposing team's you know, locker room billboard or anything like that. But, uh, you know, it, it was great to hear him. He's very positive, obviously. And I think they feel like they had some good takeaways from this game. Yeah, I think in the end, I mean, I wasn't in the locker room with you guys, so I, you know, I was able to listen to it here in the parking lot just before we started recording. But I think in the end, you know, all these guys are trying to take something positive away from this experience and apply it to the rest of the schedule. I mean, like we said, this is the best team that they're probably going to face this schedule. Unless probably. They, unless, well, the well, unless they run the Clemson. table and then get to the Clemson. ACC title game, then they'll see Clemson. Um, but in the end, they, they know that they can take this and apply this to every single game on the calendar. And even, honestly, when you look at Alabama, their approach to the game, their approach to minute details of the game – they're probably learning that on the fly and saying, okay, I can take this from this game and apply it to future and make our team better. Quentin Harris also was playing most of the game, and one of the things that I liked most about the interview is that he came out and was totally calm and, and seemed like he was in control, not like he was dragging or, or that right, this game had right. worn him down too much. So hopefully that means that tomorrow when they go back to practice, he's right back to work. And, and look, we talked about the fact that they're learning a new offense. They're working on the triple option. I think, A, they will do nothing but get better at it. And, mm -hmm. B, 
every other opponent's going to be a little bit easier than, or a lot bit easier than these guys. And, I, you know, I think it's good. You, you get a tough opponent out of the way early on, and it does make other things seem simpler. And, hey, I think because, you know, since Paul Johnson is now gone, someone in the ACC has to run a triple option offense. So it <laughs> right. might as well be us. I'd rather it not be us full time. <laughs> Let's be real. I don't need to watch this every week. Yeah, so there you go. Let, let, maybe they'll mix it up. Yeah. This episode of the Duke Basketball Report podcast is brought to you by the boys of Bird Campbell, PA, with law offices in Texas and Florida. For all of your business legal needs, contact Bird Campbell at B-Y-R-D-C-A-M-P-B-E-L-L.com. Bird Campbell means business. So instead of uh, parting shots this week, we'll just do one more topic and then and then get out of here. And we'll uh, Sounds good. we'll probably recap the uh, North Carolina A and T game uh, and the Middle Tennessee game coming up in the next couple weeks for Duke football. But Jason, I know that you had a story you wanted to share with us and also share with the listeners. Yeah, folks, if you haven't heard about this, there's a wonderful story on ESPN. Uh, about a guy named James on Curry. And depending on how old you are, how long you've been a Duke fan, how long you remember ACC basketball, James on Curry was a guy who was from North Carolina, originally committed to UNC. He had some run-ins with the law. UNC pulled the scholarship. He ended up going to, I want to say, Oklahoma State, I believe it was. Um, But a very highly touted recruit that people paid attention to at Duke because of his proximity and because of his almost ACC connection. Why did ESPN do a story on James on Curry? Well, it's because James on Curry is the player who has made the most money per second in his NBA career. James on Curry played exactly 3.9 seconds in an NBA game several years ago. He sort of bounced between the G League and the NBA for a couple years. And he is the player who essentially has played the least of anyone who ever played in the NBA. 3.9 seconds. And the story is a really wonderful, remarkable one because it details how hard he worked to get there and then how far he fell when it didn't happen for him. This is a guy who ran into a lot of drug problems and not just doing drugs, dealing drugs. And then just when you think this is not going to be a story that's going to have a happy ending, he finds redemption because he sort of goes back to basketball. He starts teaching kids how to play and he's suddenly out of sort of nowhere become this huge success, I believe it's in Oklahoma, where people just come to him and he teaches their kids basketball. And he says like, you know, hey, I could probably still try to go back to the NBA. He's not old. He goes, I could play in the NBA maybe, or I could try and play overseas or something like that. But I love working with kids. And basketball that was his downfall has now saved him. And like I say, just check it out on ESPN.com because it's a, it's a really nice story, a story that you don't often get about a guy who, who you know, had it, lost it, and then it came back for him. And that's, that's a great story. Yeah, I read this article uh, on ESPN, and it's, fans, it's fascinating, but especially for the fact that I remember when James on Curry was being recruited, like his recruitment was wild. Like he was that guy that back then people thought was the real deal and was going to be. Dude could shoot. He could shoot. He, he could really, he was one of those guys that everyone was like, surefire, going to be an all-star in the NBA. 
uh, and just to see that fall and to see him climb back up. I mean, that is that is what life is about. You know, those type of stories where people fall and they get back up. I really appreciated reading that story because it was one of those when I read, I was like, James on Curry, whatever happened to him? And now we know that he has, you know, turned his life around. And I think that is in itself a remarkable story. So hats off to him. And hopefully this is the sign of uh, bigger and better things come for him. And I think it's a good reminder to us. I don't remember James on Curry. Too young. His recruitment. Too young. I, I might, this is one of those moments. This is one of those moments where I'm too young. But um, but it, it's a good reminder to Duke fans that not every recruit who is so highly touted turns out the way we expect them to. And for us to just be grateful for the guys that we do get and, and just that they get to play through a whole season and get their NBA chances, just that much is a, is a real blessing and a treat for all of us as Duke fans as well as for those players. You know, the article makes mention of Moonlight Graham. Anyone who's seen the movie Field of Dreams knows Moonlight Graham is the character in Field of Dreams. He, he's a guy, he, he got up to the plate once um, and, and sort of never had a full at bat or anything like that And then he get, in baseball, and then he gets sent down to the minors, and he becomes a doctor, and he, his life, rather than being a story of baseball, becomes a story of, of saving children's lives as a doctor. And he's a great character in Field of Dreams, and it's based, Moonlight Graham is a real person. Um, that's a real story, even though Field of Dreams, obviously, not a true story. The story, the story, yes, I know, shocking. The story of Moonlight Graham is actually true, not the part about him being an angel and coming back and all that other kind of stuff, but the rest of it is real. So the, the article makes reference to him, and, and there's a great comparison there to the James on Curry story because it's a guy, 3.9, can you imagine that? I mean, your whole life, everything is about, can I get to the NBA? You do it, and you, he, he literally, he goes in at the end of the third quarter, and then that, for 3.9 seconds, that's the end of his career. doesn't get to foul anybody. He doesn't even get in the scorebook other than zero, zero plus. minutes played. Zero plus. Yeah. yeah. So, anyway. All right. So, with that, I think we're going to wrap it up. I wanted to uh, send special thanks to Duke fans and my friends, Rachel and Jordan, for sticking Woo! it out. Woo! as yes. <laughs> <laughs> Listening, listening uh, to the whole show here with us in the parking lot. We're about to go uh, watch Jordan's Michigan Wolverines. Uh and also Donald's Michigan Wolverines uh, lay the hammer to Middle Tennessee. So I, I'm I'm almost like I'm glad that they stuck around. Also, they know how the sausage is made, and I'm kind of I'm kind of kind of worried. <laughs> they'll, be able to, they'll be able to take the secret stuff. So anyway, Jordan's um, lips are sealed. We'll be we'll be back again uh, sometime in the next couple of weeks to talk football again. Obviously, if there's any basketball news, any recruiting stuff, we'll be or we'll be schedule. back in your feeds for that. Yeah, the any, schedule may drop schedule, any day now. Schedule should be coming soon for the ACC. Um, so. So plenty of news coming down the pike, just a matter of when. Uh, but until then, for Donald Wine, for Jason Evans. From the Gulch. From the Gulch here in Atlanta in the A, I'm Sam Klein. Uh, this has been Duke Basketball Report Podcast Episode 164, Duke Band. Take us home. Woo! Woo! Unreal, y'all. Unreal.